We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two pitch, ball lined to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it! 3,000 for Robin! And there's a drive in the left field! This is hit well! And it's gone! cruising for bruising with me andrew snyder and me adam mcgee as we talk all things milwaukee brewers for the eurostep podcast network and blue wire podcasts 81 games up 81 games down 81 games to go the milwaukee brewers are halfway through the 2023 major league baseball season we've talked about it all we've got more to talk about and then we'll have much 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 more to talk about and there's nobody I'd rather talk about it with than you, Adam McGee. How you doing today? Long time no see. I'm doing well. The Brewers have won four or five. They've won back-to-back series on the road. You know, if it wasn't for my eyes, <laughs> I might be saying, are the Brewers, the Brewers figuring out? Are the Brewers back? But I do have eyes. Uh, they certainly aren't, but they're winning baseball games. And, you know, as as compromises go, I think that's a pretty good one. I would tend to agree. They're at a spot right now where we're we're able to 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 trick our minds a little bit by what we're seeing with our, with our eyes. Because we can say, you know, they're not even playing that well and they're winning baseball games when X, Y, and Z happens. Who knows what can happen? And all of that could be true. But right now, it's just cope, and we hold it dear to us. But if we take a like a step back and we look at the the standings, you know, tied in the NL Central now with the, the red-hot 
Cincinnati Reds, who I think went out and won another series against the talented Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles almost came back in the final game of that series. And then whoever the hell they brought in in extra innings, Keegan Aiken, I think was his name. Sorry to <clears throat> slander random Baltimore Oriole relievers. Uh, on this podcast, absolutely blew it, ruined a comeback by the rest of the Orioles, ruined some good re- relief work from Felix Batista, but that's neither here nor there to allow the Reds to, to keep this division lead. But 43-38, and 38, uh, tied with the Reds, four and a half games up on the Pirates, five games up on the Cubs, nine and a half games up on the Cardinals. If you told us going into the season, the Brewers were 43-38 and 38 halfway into the season, we would have said, okay, sure, sure. And then if you would have said, they're also tied for the division lead. We would have been gone. Oh, well, the, the Cardinals, I guess they're kind of scuffling. We've kept up with them. Did they have injury issues or have they tried to blame half the season on Wilson Contreras? And we're like, actually, no, we're, we're tied with another team. And then we would be like, oh, I guess the Cubs offseason signings like like really made an impact. Dansby Swanson, uh, Cody Bellinger's probably found it. Stroman's having a great year. Uh, Hendricks is healthy. Justin Steele. Uh, no, it's, it's not the Cubs. Did we switch divisions? What the hell happened? Like, what? who are we tied with? Oh, it's the Reds. Oh, yeah, Ellie De La Cruz. Also, for a few months, it was the Pirates. So that's been just like the the flow of this season and what our thought process would have been had you told us going into this, what our record was and where we were in the standings. It's been an interesting process, but overall, if you're a Brewers fan, the process has been stressful at times and somewhat annoying given the, the shape of the season. But as you said last time, you you said you were feeling good. I don't know if I'm feeling good, but they're in a decent spot is kind of how I'm coming away with it. Like, sure, like 81 more games to to figure it out. Craig said after last night, I think he said we're we're in it. And I, you know, what? I can't I can't argue with it. Like, maybe they can just be like this for 162 games and <laughs> somehow they find it and we at least get some playoff excitement. Like these things can happen. So we've talked about it before. And in a lot of ways, this is the flaw of Brewer's organizational thinking, but it has all been about, you know, well, if we can just be in it, give ourselves that bite of the apple. And right now they are on course to have a potential bite of the apple. So I guess, you know, scenes of jubilation rejoicing within the Brewer's offices but um, yeah, I mean, look, there's always a chance. I, I think they have much sterner competition over the remaining 81 games with what we're seeing from the Reds. That feels, you might agree, disagree, I don't know, that feels more real than the Pirates thing ever was, or I was waiting for that. It's like, okay, well, maybe the Reds actually do have the talents that if this is just clicked, maybe there's no looking back from here. Um, We'll see. We'll find out, but potential potential bite at the apple incoming and the next 81 games might define just how big that bite is and we really might get uh kind of an early glimpse into who's going to take command of this race in the second half because like we said you finish um you finish the first half uh with three games against the reds and then the other, you start the other this... relevant teams in the division, you know, just one team that doesn't have to factor into this finish the first half at all. It's like the mini, the mini race of the four relevant teams in the NL Central. Yeah, and you have nine games against the Reds in July. So like July is gonna give us a shape of okay, who's who's coming out ahead in this early rounds of this boxing match and how how are we gonna finish it? 
And if the Brewers, you know, take care of the Pirates this weekend, uh, take care of the Cubs next week, and can just finish off the first half strong against the Reds and then come out in July and take care of business, that could put them in the driver's seat. A lot of that uh, could coincide with some things that could actually improve this roster. Maybe we see South Free look like we've speculated on a million times. Maybe we see Brandon Woodruff get back. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll have our overarching, in quotation marks, first half discussion after or during the middle of the All-Star break, because even though we're halfway through the season, uh, we'll use that time to kind of level set more broadly and, and talk about uh, performance in the first half at a like uh, 30,000 foot, foot view level uh, going into a, a podcast where we don't have to recap a series. But for now, we'll talk about the happenings with the Milwaukee Brewers. And the first one, uh, damn, I meant to look up a pronunciation guide, but uh, Peter Strzelecki has been optioned to Nashville. Thomas Pannoni? I think, Pannone I think it's, how, it, I think, I think it's probably Pannoni. Yeah, I've heard a uh, friend of the podcast, Kurt Hope, pronounce it two different ways on his podcast with J.R. Radcliffe. So uh, I, he didn't get into a game this week, so sadly... Uh, wasn't able to get uh, full knowledge of that. But you know what? Next week, I'll be better, folks. We're going to go with Adam's pronunciation for now. Uh, he'd pitch well in Nashville, and Peter Szeslecki lately, except for this series, had not pitched well. Uh, 7.88 ERA over his last seven outings. Uh, had one and a third scoreless against the Mets before being sent down. Uh, Pannoni, a three or a two seven zero ERA in Nashville this year, nine starts in his 11 outings. Uh, but he projects obviously to be a left-handed option out of the bullpen, which is going to be very important pretty immediately given how much Hobie Milner has pitched in the last uh, week. So yeah, Pannoni and Strzelecki out. Um, Craig Council did make some comments about this move. Um, and in the in the short term, obviously, stress like he has not pitched well, uh, added a sinker to his picks, pitch mix this well, had success early, and then lately it has not wor- worked out at all. Council said, I fully anticipate Peter being back at some point this year. Peter's pitched some big innings for us clearly, and I think at times during the season has been a really good pitcher and a really valuable pitcher for us, but we need to make sure we're taking care of everybody right now. And I think it makes a lot of sense, given his struggles lately. Um, a reliable core in the bullpen has started to emerge in Hobie Milner, Elvis, Elvis Pagaro, uh, Joel Pimps, Devin Williams, and we'll throw Bryce Wilson into that mix as well. And Shreslecki looked like he was going to be one of those guys early and needs to figure some stuff out. So I think it's a move that makes sense given their need for another lefty in the bullpen as they await Justin Wilson being ready and a move that makes sense given Peter might need some time to just work on, work on his stuff and work on his command in Nashville and get back to being the guy he was in April and May. I won't pretend to have been listening to a lot of what you said there. Cause instead what I did was I muted myself and I sought out correct pronunciation of the newest member of the Brewers. And it is in fact, Thomas Pannone. Oh, okay. Thomas Pannone. Stra- Sorry. Straight buddy. from his, straight from his own mouth. So uh, yeah, we'll go with that. Thomas Pannone. But getting a jet- getting a job has really eliminated my ability to watch Brewers interviews during the day, so that <laughs> I I don't love that aspect of employment. Uh, 
Astro Strazlecki. I'm just curious to see how it plays out because I think there's both. It's very reasonable what Craig said at this point, and <laughs> uh, there's probably some other relievers who could do it a break too, Craig. And maybe there's some, I don't know, some part of your wider strategy we could look at, or maybe you've got to have some conversations with Matt Arnold and you've got to work some stuff out there. Bullpen is doing a great job, but it's a select few of them doing a great job and carrying a lot of workload. And the flip side of it is Strazaki has not been great for quite a while. It's become increasingly an adventure. Most times he comes into the game and it is quite far removed from what we saw last year. So whatever it is to just, you know, get a fresh arm up there. Um, although he didn't rush into using that fresh arm. Um, or it is maybe, well, let's rest res a little bit and maybe get him a couple of outings down at Nashville and do some confidence and come back and hopefully refine it. I'm good either way. I think it, it makes sense. And it's one of, I think, a couple of moves that we've seen the past few days that feel a little bit different, a little bit more ruthless than we've been accustomed to with the Brewers. And might be might be suggesting some kind of shift. I don't know, is there maybe a, even a level of aggressiveness or we're going to do what we're going to have to do because they're trying to work out exactly what this team is before it gets to the point where you know you weigh up your trades and with that there's maybe even a more ruthless and pragmatic approach taking hold than I feel like we generally associate but Strzelecki was the first part of that and I think the even bigger example was the one that came later in the, the week in, in the business, we call that a transition. So we will move on to the next move that uh, I did not take me by surprise because of the performance of the player that we're talking about. But to your point, took me by surprise by the aggressiveness of it and seeing something that's not working. I, I'll say at a lot of spots in the lineup, but this being one of the places where you've got the option to make a move and you just go with it. And that's Luisa Rios being sent down to Nashville. Bryce Terang back up. Bryce Terang obviously was sent down a few weeks ago after uh, facing some struggles at the plate. And since going to Nashville has been excellent. 298 batting average, 365 OBP, uh, 561 slug, three homers, 15 RBI, six doubles, six walks uh, since going to Nashville. And I think that was across 15 games. Luis Arias, on the other hand, uh, for the Brewers, had been struggling. Uh, the funny part is, is actually in recent weeks, you know, I, I was concerned about his third base defense. He Since that uh, bad play on the, the bunt, he's actually been playing pretty damn good defense at third base. It just wasn't really happening with the bat. Um, Luis, uh, Arias, obviously, is now in the second straight season of uh, dealing with an injury earlier in the year, and he just not, has not figured it out at the plate. Um at all uh, thus far this year. Uh, and it was something the Brewers, I guess, felt needed to get worked out at the lower levels, just like with Strezlecki, and they made the move. Uh, Arias, in his short stint back from the IL, 145 batting average, 299 OBP, 236 slug, one homer, a couple of doubles, seven walks, and 15 strikeouts. Uh, just wasn't working for him at the plate. And with a lineup where you've got a lot of guys that 
um, are struggling. You can't you can't afford not to make a move when you got the option to do it. Bryce looking like he's ready to be back. Already had a double in his first game back. Made two outstanding or one outstanding pl- defensive play at second base, diving to make a play. Turned a great double play. Um, a guy who maybe with that time in Nashville is ready to be a productive player at the major league level. And at this point, Arias is not that, and they couldn't afford to wait much longer. Give him a chance to figure it out at Nashville. If he does, he does. If he doesn't, he doesn't. But like you said, there's a ruthlessness to these decisions that uh, is a little surprising, but maybe needed given the the state of the the offense. Yeah, I mean, Bryce had to come back, but they could have sent Dungeon Monasterio back down. I think if you're just purely managing reputation, that's what you're going to do here. So to go in the opposite direction and to send Luis Arias back to Nashville, well, it caught me by surprise. As you said, it's not about the the performance. It makes sense. It just hasn't been there for Weicho. Um, But that's a bold, bold move in kind of a bigger picture sense. And I think there were the easy ways out that I think we've seen the Brewers take in the past, but may not have been just entirely the best option at the moment. And they're not in a situation where they have any room to maneuver. I think, I think that's part of what it comes down to. You can't send down the marginally better hitter on current form, because guess what? You have no hitting anywhere and you just can't afford to lose any of it. So it makes sense. We'll see how all that plays out. We'll see if like does Weicho find it there and how quick? And if he doesn't, that's a problem of a different variety. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think we've said this a few times, and especially as it relates to Monasterio when he was playing well. Owen Miller, uh, during his hot, hot streak, he's been slumping of late, kind of, I don't know if he figured anything out in the series, but he had a good series, so glad to see that um, play out again and ha- have him uh, getting back to, you know, doing what he does, <laughs> hitting his singles, b- beating out balls in the infield. Uh, whoever's performing has just got to be in the lineup. And there are other places where those decisions are more challenging, and we'll see how they deal with that over the next few weeks. But, yeah, I, I hope he figures it out. Uh, we'll see. A- again, um, there, there are other decisions at Nashville that may be coming soon. You mentioned Andrew Monasterio, maybe his, his hot streak run out. Adam, I don't know. There's a, there's another guy at Nashville who, uh, who's healthy again, might be ready for his call up. What, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's time for that. Certainly. Um, I, I don't want to jump the gun. I'm having a really <laughs> tough time with Blake Perkins. I'd like, there's some good in there, but, God, there's some real bad stuff. Uh, I've realized the that back, a lot irritates pick. me more than the back <laughs> pick at first. That's just, it's so, so sloppy, and his base running has been all over the place. We've seen instances oversliding past second, whatever series that was recently. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not having fun with the whole Blake Perkins thing. And when Blake Perkins was lead off the other day, that just spiritually felt like the absolute nadir of Brewers baseball. Um, he comes up with some hits that are good, that are important. Yes, yeah, big hit I've, on uh, Thursday, right? Or yeah, Wednesday. and I've 
I feel like maybe the inside track here, which is actually something that paid off for the Brewers in a big way in this series, is switch hitting. Um, and that is giving him maybe something of an advantage that some others don't have. Um, maybe not quite a switch hitter of Victor Caratini's prowess, but he did come up with a nice, a nice hit the other day. Uh, that's where I'd be making that change, Andrew. Though, um, no real doubt about it at all, and I, I feel like it, it is time, but it has long been time. I'm, I'm, well, there are two, there are two things that I'm thinking of. Post all oh, right, that are going to oh, happen. You're, you're thinking of Keston too, right? Is that the? I think Sal Freelick and Keston here are on yeah, this team after the All Star break. Yeah, like at this and point, I mean, why not? <laughs> yeah, Monasterio is the the move for that, and you just move Owen Miller out of kind of, I guess, out of a rotation on first base and into more of a second, and then Keston will get some time at first. Remember those days? We'll get some more of them, and he'll get some opportunities to DH. And hopefully we see the, you know, thousands plus uh, OPS kind of whatever. He's, I know his numbers are quite gaudy at AAA. What's the uh, discount, Andrew? What what are we going to lose on the journey from Nashville to Milwaukee? Um, it, whatever great... it is, it's still probably worth it at this point. It can't be it's... worse than a lot of the alternatives. Yeah, it's funny how the context of a season just re- reframes your just whole viewpoint on a player and a and a role because now we're just like, yeah, why not? Also, uh, forgot to mention, we'll move on to the series here in a minute. Um, Tyron Taylor back uh, on a rehab stint in Nashville. I think he had an outfit as, outfield assist yesterday. So for whatever reason, the shoulder or the elbow seems fine when he's throwing. Doesn't seem fine at the plate. I actually I hadn't heard that he was back. I don't like that. <laughs> I mean, good for Tyrone Taylor, but that does seem like a potential roadblock for Scott. Sal Freelich. Yeah. And Tyrone could not hit for shit last time he was up. And I just... Uh, we don't need to do that again. Uh, let's try something different. And even I, I think the bright strang of it all should again be a reminder of don't be afraid on this. I mean, they saw the good early returns and we spoke optimistically when Bryce was sent back down that, hey, well, he might go figure it out. We could see him back soon. And then he's, I know, I guess if we carry it over to the majors, he's like on a 14 game hit streak or something like that. So let's not and... just be like, oh, Tyrone Taylor, we know what you can do. You're the guy. We sure do know what he can do. He can strike out very regularly. And a few a few episodes, I said that part of the second half of this season, even if you're competing for something, needs to be about developing the rookies you have at your disposal at the major league level because a lot of them have nothing to learn more at uh, Nashville. And so, if your decision is like this is this is the the thing about not going out and making any big meaningful free agent signings is like your options are rookie struggling or veteran struggling then let the rookie figure it out even if it's like because if if you have two options that are like flip a coin options play for the developmental angle and still try to win that's good point are you going to invest your time in something that you know you could have multiple years for it to pay off for you are you going to invest your time in something that isn't working and that you might be 
getting rid of in a few months anyway. It's it seems and like a no brainer. The Bryce call up has me optimistic that is probably the direction that they will lean in moving forward, but we'll see. I the the only thing there is because he had already been up and they've already kind of I don't know, uh, broken the seal on that one where maybe they view him a little bit different at this point as opposed to Sal, who's yet to have his first call-up. Um, yeah. That's that's going back to the good old timeline shenanigans. So we'll see. I, I guess we'll find out. But they are in a place, really, where this is a probably, we're probably three pods away from finally having a trade conversation and a, a podcast which is only about, hey, who could the Brewers trade? Who should they trade? And why would they trade? The fact that they're getting it done somewhat, they're winning games and they're good and they're young, it might force them into some of the trades that we were dreading, but in a different context where it could be like, you know what, we could have a chance to do what we're doing plus add even more to this and become a team that's doing the quick turnaround. A team that you could become like the fun bursting on the block like the Reds are, but without having to go into a complete and utter downturn for a couple of years to get there. I, I think they have some nice pieces that you could have to retail on the fly. We know what's kind of coming even further behind that. Um, They'll have interesting discussions if it continues like this, because I think maybe a lot of what they have is good enough to make this season interesting, but you could also make this season interesting while playing for an even more interesting future too. That's we'll we'll dive into that, and I would guess um, four episodes from now. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, because something's gonna happen um, before then that. Obviously, there there will be the games played, and we'll see where they are in the standings, especially relative uh, to the Reds. Uh, but they've got essentially. I think they have like the. Uh, hold on, I'm looking this up. I think their back end or comp round pick or second round pick in the MLB draft is 33rd, and then their first round pick, I believe, is 18th. So you're going to have. Yeah, they got the 33rd pick and the 18th pick. So what they kind of do with their pool money there, and if they're able to add more like either high floor or high ceiling prospects to their pool, they could be more willing to deal deal from both uh, uh, the major league roster and also the prospect capital, capital to thread that needle like you're talking about. So we've got some interesting conversations ahead that will obviously uh, – take shape as we go forward and be shaped by how they perform. But anyway, um, somehow I mean, managed to get us into just a long prologue on the series where we have to recap four games. Uh, so apologies on that, Adam. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans, after all, it's only pressure, you got this, Adidas. But this series uh, got started off. On Monday this week, it's been a it's been a long week, Adam. Long week of uh, playing baseball, um, but the Milwaukee Brewers played it pretty well uh, on the mound. Um, Colin Ray took the hill against Justin Verlander. Uh, this game was incredibly frustrating early. The Brewers went over eleven with runners in scoring position. They kept getting chances early in the game, and Justin Verlander were not able to get anything going. Uh, they really made him work 100 pitches through five innings, but allowed five hits, uh, two walks, but he struck out five and didn't allow a run. Colin Ray, to his credit, matched him about as well as he could. Uh, six and one-third innings pitch, three hits, just one run allowed, a walk and three strikeouts. The run came in the fourth inning. Um, Starling Marte singled, stole second, a wild throw from William Contreras, uh, got past Willie Adamas, went into center field. Joey Weaver followed up with a wild throw of his own. They got past third that almost scored the run, but uh, they were able to avoid that. Then Francisco Lindor would hit a sacrifice fly um, to make it one nothing Mets after the fourth. There would only be two more runs in this game, and they would be scored by the Brewers after Jesse Winker reaches base. Joey Weimer homers to dead center. That makes it 2-1. Brewers in the sixth. From that point on, the Brewers would get excellent relief from some of those guys that we mentioned as the reliable core in the bullpen. Um, Hobie Milner throws one and one-third scoreless innings with a strikeout. Elvis Peguero, um gets an out with a strikeout. Devin Williams comes in, nails down the save. A 2-1 Brewers win to open the series. Great work from Colin Ray. Offense frustrating early, but Joey Weimer comes up with a big hit in the sixth to make things happen. Yeah, Joey Weimer's really, really fun. Um, <laughs> I guess that's that's where we're at in terms of just younger players. Also, I guess we should point to the impact that we have seen from Joey Weimer and continue to see is pretty impressive. Um, even when it's not just the most perfect run, you know, he's coming up with big hits and. I think, to your point, Colin Ray, what more can we say on that? It is nice to see him get one of these. It feels like it's just been a little while since he's kind of got certainly to six, and over six isn't something we associate a whole lot with him. So really, really nice start for him. And although the Mets are not having the season that they want to have or that we would have expected, you're you're facing some pretty premium hitters if you're Colin Ray. So for Colin Ray to come through this, allowing just a single run, only one walk, three hits, really, really fantastic work. So what other way would you want to start a series? 
that's exactly how I want to start it. Uh, game two, less successful. Um, a left-hander with an ERA over seven on the mound for the Mets. So, you know, come what may there, David Peterson, and then Julio Tehran on the mound has his first really tough outing. We knew it was coming just because, you know, we're not saying, oh, it, it's over. The Julio Tehran run is done. I think he could still find his way, but uh, he had been excellent. And then in his last outing, he pitched around a lot of trouble. So uh, a tough outing was always coming, and it's here, and it's gone, and hopefully that's the last of it. Uh, the Mets get the scoring started in the fourth with a homer from Brandon Nimmo to make it one nothing. Uh, Francisco Lindor homers uh, in that ending as well to make it two nothing. In the fifth, Nimmo again with Daniel Vogelbach on base homers, two run homer to make it four nothing. In the sixth, a man who would be an all star if he only played against the Brewers, Tommy Pham, uh, doubles to score Pete Alonso, not Peter Alonso. Um, also in the sixth, Daniel Vogelbach, old friend, homers to score himself, and Tommy Fan makes it 7 nothing. Five and two-thirds uh, for Julio Tehran. Seven hits, seven runs, all earned. No walks, two strikeouts. The four homers, uh, really the the story of his day. Um, and, and, you know, also not, not a lot of scoring going on during this. One freight runners in scoring position, nine left on base. Um in the eighth inning, Brian Anderson single scores William Contreras and Christian Yelich to make it 7-2. Brewers get scoreless relief from Peter Shreslecki and Bryce Wilson. Um, the uh, Mets get scoreless relief from Drew Smith. Uh, Jake Brigham would uh, allow the runs. And then uh, Dominic Leone closes things out with one and a third innings pitch and three strikeouts. Jeff Brigham, sorry to the Brigham family. You look like a Jake, Jeff. Sorry. Um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, just a, a tough day for Tehran. Bat's not really doing it, and uh, kind of when you just flush down the toilet. Our sweet prince, Andrew. Our sweet prince. Uh, this was the one that we had, you know, penciled in automatically. It's come on, they're gonna win. They're gonna give him some run support, which they didn't do anyway. So, you know, if he even if he had shown up with a great performance, they'd probably lose like three two. We're like, God, poor Elia Tehran. Um, yeah, tough. Let's hope it's just a one off a blip on the radar for him and he's right back at it um pitching incredibly well for the next couple of starts that he's penciled in to have before the end of the first half of the season because they just need him at the moment and he's given them so much i will say you know at least 87 pitches five and two third innings uh, you you just kept going out there, and he ate some innings, and he didn't just let the wheels come off completely. That they had to go to the bullpen because guess what? There isn't a deep enough bullpen for that. And as much as it seems pretty counterproductive to give him credit for seven earned runs and essentially his part in losing this game, I don't think they win the other two if he wasn't able to at least keep his pitch count down. With uh, with Tehran, if this if it does get derailed at some point to the point where he can't pitch anymore and he's not on the team anymore, I'm gonna be in full "Don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened" uh vibes. That's, that's fair. just that's kind of how I'm approaching his his season. But yeah, uh, you know, he's like we said, uh, one of the kind of the calling cards that we've noticed in his first several outings is he's been unflappable. So we'll see if that a- applies to uh. His next start. Uh, game three of this series, when they play uh, 
four games. They have to have a third game in the middle there somewhere. Uh, Wade Miley on the mound against Kodai Sanga. Again, the, the Brewers offense, not necessarily scoring a lot of runs, but really made uh, Kodai Sanga work and throw a lot of pitches. He goes um, five innings, five hits, two runs. Both came in the first inning. Uh, They're both earned two walks, eight strikeouts through 102 pitches in those five innings. So making uh, these pitchers work, the first inning got the scoring started. Uh, Jesse Winker double scores Willie Adamas and Christian Yelich. That was great to see. Again, uh, future Hall of Famer Tommy Pham uh, in the second inning homers to make it two to one. Then in the fourth inning, um, Wade Miley uncharacteristically struggling with his command. Walks uh, Francisco Lindor to start the inning. Uh, Pete Alonso singles to center. Tommy Pham walks to load the bases. Uh, Francisco Alvarez walks to score a run to make it two to two. He then battles back by striking out, striking out Brett Beatty, and then getting Mark Canna to ground out into a, a nice double play. I think it was Brian Anderson, Owen Miller, Rowdy Telez there on the turn there to get out of the inning with the score still two two. So Wade Miley losing it there in the fourth, um, managing to to get out of that inning with it still two two. Really a flashpoint in the game where, um. You know, we've seen this story before where uh, the Brewers have a lead. They lost the lead and the offense can't claw them back out of it. But just a big moment um, from from Wade Miley there and also uh, B.A. and Miller to to turn that double play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tricky-ish spot to find yourself in if you're the Brewers where Wade Miley's only giving you four innings, although credit to Wade Miley for limiting the damage and getting out of some tough spots there with the help of some exceptional plays from his infield defense. Quality, quality hitting from Jesse Winker to start the game, almost like something out of a parallel universe where wouldn't it just be beautiful if we were seeing that all the time, if that signing had panned out in the way we'd hoped to, and we are seeing more of that good performance all around. Maybe we can get some more. Who knows? So I think I said this recently too, not optimistic, not hopeful, but I certainly won't turn it down if it happens. Nice reminder, I guess, of what is in there, what he can be capable of. Absolutely. And the Brewers in the sixth inning would uh, get the lead back uh, with Owen Miller on second. Blake Person Perkins uh, kind of flips a single into left field the opposite way. Uh, Blake Person, by the way, is a great like evolution of creative player. I knew it as soon as I said it, and but he's just he's Blake Person, you know. I I think I need to go to speech therapy. There's something are, about we are all Blake Person. Yeah, uh, I am Spartacus. Uh, Blake Perkins uh, singles to score. Owen Miller makes it three two, and again, I don't want I I want them all um, in like. LeBron James style hyperbaric chambers tonight and maybe even Saturday. But I just want to, and we'll get to this in the next series as well. I just want to continue to talk about how great the great parts of this bullpen were in this series and how vital they were to getting the series win. Hobie or Bryce Wilson comes in, provides one and two thirds innings scoreless. He's the RIs at two, five, six for the year. Hobie Milner uh, records an out on a strikeout. He's got a two, five, nine ER right now. Elvis Piguero. We'll talk about him here in a minute as well. Provides a scoreless inning. Y'all, Piamps, a scoreless inning. Devin Williams, a scoreless inning with the save. Two strikeouts. Just the bullpen, the guys that can be relied on, who, again, please, for the love of God, rest them tonight. Freddie, uh, Pannone, Matt Bush, we, <laughs> we need your best work. Offense, score 10 runs. Make it happen against the Pirates today. But just 
great work in this series by those by those guys. Insurance run in the eighth from Christian Yelich, who that 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 just quiet consistency from Yelich when everything else around him seems to be in flux uh, also cannot be overstated. He's not MVP Yelich, but he's damn good Yelich, and we'll really take it. A single to center scores Brian Anderson and Blake Perkins. That makes it 5-2. And then, like I said, Devin closes things out in the ninth, two strikeouts for the save. Great work from the bullpen. Great work by Miley to get out of that tough inning in the fourth without uh, allowing any, any further damage. And then late in the game, Christian Yelich coming up with a big hit to sort of give a little bit of that distance to uh, calm the nerves a little bit. Yeah, Yelly is playing very, very, very well. One of the only players we can say that for, <laughs> which is a nice turn of events. It'd also be great if there was some help for him. That OPS, Andrew, it is above 800. Is that 807? So we've reached the promised land for kind of maybe not Yelly is back to who he was. Well, Yelly is back to being good. Like undeniably good at the moment in the mix, in the conversation for could he make the all-star game, which I don't know if I would have had before the season, like any list of my predictions. I like it though. Great seeing him come up in another big hit. Um and just remain in a really good groove. Just excellent game overall for him, three for five. And yeah, a real kind of I don't know, a perfect embodiment of the best of the Brewers bullpen. I mean, mostly because literally all of the best of the Brewers bullpen were called into action in this one. And you know what they did? They went five innings without giving up a run. And the Brewers come out with an important win. Hard not to love that. And special shout out, I guess, to Elvis Peguero, who was incredibly efficient. And I mean, just in this series and really of late, Peguero and Piamps, if we're if we're looking for reasons why the Brewers are 42 and 38, like the obvious is we would have thought for them to have any chance to be with a winning record, the likes of Willie Adamas and Marty Telez would have to be infinitely better than they have been. A massive, massive share of the credit for that goes to Peguero and Piamps for simply getting the ball to the Brewers' best player, Devin Williams, often enough, where Devin has a chance to shut the door and win games for the Brewers. So I, I think they're two guys that we we really need to make sure they're getting their credit because that's been their job. It's okay. The offense can't score a whole lot. Somehow we've got a lead here. There may have been a good start from a, a pretty random guy that we hadn't imagined would be in this spot to start the season. And then it just becomes like we're passing this from one to the other, one to the other, one to the other. Can we just can we get it with to Devon with a lead? And those two guys have been incredible in helping the Brewers to do that. And I think really, really important factors in the Brewers actually having a winning record. And uh I mean those those two trades, just like to get these two guys that are now anchors in your bullpen, just good offseason work. I mean, William Contreras. This is the guy we're going to talk about. Este Ruiz is what he is as a player. He's going to have a lot of steals. He's not going to have... It's going to be a lot of uh, like mid-200s averages, low OBPs, no slug. I, he, what, he, what he is as a player... He's making an impact, pretty, and he could be good, but he's also... He was at the position where the Brewers had lots of options, and it's like 
do we like Joey Weimer? Yeah, we like Joey Weimer. And were we liking what we were seeing from Garrett Mitchell before that? It's like you're going to trade someone and they made that choice with him. Yeah, and I mean, he's here on the ESPN. He's been worth negative 0.3 war this year. So how much does he contribute to, to winning? Who knows? And for him, you get a solid offensive catcher this year who's developed into one of the better pitch framers in baseball and uh, your eighth inning guy who was a guy that we were talking about being around the edges of the roster at the beginning of the season and a guy that might be the odd man out and get designated for an assignment. And instead, he's just been excellent. And Piguero, I think Kurt Hogue uh, <laughs> tweeted uh, after his outing yesterday, which we'll get to in a moment, that he's uh, been <laughs> worth more war than Hunter Renfro this year. Uh, so that's uh, that's also a, a nice juicy nugget and reflecting on that trade where we thought Jansen Junk was the headliner. Instead, Elvis Figuero has made his sinker even more nasty to go along with a nasty slider and has turned himself into a guy that can get out of big situations. And that brings us to the final game of the series. Adrian Hauser on the mound against Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer, really just calm, cool, collected guy out there on the mound. Doesn't really seem to uh, let things get to him. That's a lie. Um, <laughs> Adrian Hauser gave us the good version of the Adrian Hauser experience. He allowed a lot of base runners but uh, and a lot of contact, but he got out of things uh, for the most part, other than back-to-back homers in the third from Brett Beatty at the bottom of the lineup and then Brandon Nimmo at the top of the lineup. Uh, that made it 2 nothing after the third. Hauser goes six innings, seven hits, two runs. They were both earned one walk and five strikeouts. It was an eventful morning. Uh, or afternoon from Hauser, Joe Biden visiting uh, New York caused uh, a little bit of uh, traffic issues in Manhattan, and uh, that impacted the Brewers' bus ability to get uh, to the ballpark. Uh, per the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Corbin Burns says, I was sitting there and we hadn't moved in like 15 minutes. I turned around and was like, we're going to have to take the damn train. <laughs> uh Hobie Milner says, I put it in the G- GPS and said, hey, follow me. Hobie Milner just leading guys out of out of the uh, gridlock onto the subway and guiding them to City Field. Adrian Hauser, part of that group. Uh, so the day that you're starting, uh, have to you know have a little bit of adversity thrown at you. Get on the subway. Corbin Burns says Hobie's the MVP of the day. You know Corbin Hobie's the MVP of the week. The guy just pitches whatever called on. He gets guys to the ballpark. What a what a what a fun for fans and for writers getting to tell the story uh, wrinkles at the end of the series. Not a fun day for uh, the Brewers to start, but it would be fun at the end. Scherzer still on the mound, probably right after he yelled about the sticky stuff. I can't remember. Uh, Victor Caratini on after Rowdy or up after Rowdy Tellez single homers to tie the game at two. Brewers load the bases in the seventh. Brian Anderson sacrifice fly makes it three two. So it goes from wandering New York City to find City Field to up 3-2 uh, in the seventh inning. What a what a start to the day for the Brewers, Adam. A very, very interesting start for the Brewers. And unlike the kind of thing that can derail your game, particularly if you're Adrian Hauser. Um, so definitely congratulations go to him for going six innings and allowing just the two earned runs. It was one of these games, though, where, you know, the Brewers could easily have come out of this and been like, we're, we've won two games already in the series. We're happy. Let's just take a split. And let's move on. This is a long road trip. 
So to find themselves in a really kind of tight competitive game, having to show a bit of grit and grind out a win, very nice they actually went and got that done. I mean, is it a little bit easier when you're against the Mets who uh, don't seem to be interested in like grinding out a whole lot of anything this year? Yeah, that probably helps. Um, Your two teams, even with the Brewers' own struggles, with very different mental headspaces right now. But all the same, nice to nice to close it out and nice to battle through some early adversity. We talked about this a few times of late too. Um, Brewers going behind, long time that seemed like it spelled doom. And being two runs behind without having scored through five innings, that is not usually the recipe for success for the Milwaukee Brewers. So to have a come from behind win from there, and to then hold it out, close things out is. The kind of thing you want. Yeah, I want to talk about the seventh inning real quick, if you'll indulge me, Adam, because other than the Caratini homer and the back-to-back homers, that's where um, a lot of this action happened. TJ McFarlane uh, relieves Christian Yelich in that inning, gets uh, or relieves Max Scherzer. Christian Yelich was leading off the inning, grounded out to the pitcher. William Contreras then pinch hits for Winker. So, you know, lefty on the mound, you know, very being very cautious with Winker, giving him only opportunities to succeed. He's had a good series, did his job. Okay, I like that. Then William Contreras uh, legs out an infield single. Shout out to our guy, Numak, uh, who really loves when guys are just busting it out of the batter's box. Uh, so that's good. Adamas gets hit by a pitch. Uh, Owen Miller then pitch hits for Rowdy Telez. He legs out an infield single. And uh, then Brian Anderson crushes a ball to center field, almost uh, gets to the wall for a double or a grand slam. But instead, it's just a sack fly to to get the run in. So and until the uh until the Brian Anderson sack fly, base is loaded without a ball leaving the infield and then a sack fly gets it done. So uh a lot of uh wonky stuff going on there. Then in the bottom of the seventh, Homie Milner comes on. Um Mark Kyana single gets Alvarez to fly out. Danny Mendick uh then hits uh for Brett Beatty. Uh ground ball into the fielder's choice. But uh, the Brewers aren't able to make the play, so it's an error on the play. That uh, then brings Brandon Nimmo to the plate, hits Nimmo to load the bases. Elvis Peguero comes in, and Starling Marte double play with the bases loaded. So bases loaded, one out, gets the Marte double play to get out of the inning. Just absolute nails from Elvis Peguero coming into the second most stressful situation a reliever can come in. The only way it could be more stressful is if he had not had that one out to start off the inning, but just like, again, we talked, we talked about wanting to give the bullpen their due and we did a lot of that in the last game, but had to do it again because that seventh inning where the Brewers took the lead, even if they, even if they just allow the Mets to tie it there, like who knows what kind of just variability that adds to the game and what that does to this result. This is a series that was largely decided on fine margins and Pagaro um, comes in and got the job done. So the seventh inning, the tail of the game for me, obviously we had a, got a scoreless inning of relief from uh, Yol Piamps as well. And then uh, Devin Williams uh, <laughs> lo- loaded the bases himself hmm. uh, uh, and got out of it two walks, a hit, and a strikeout. And the man at the plate with the bases loaded both times that saw the opportunity slip out of his hands, Starling Marte. Baseball is a funny game, and the ball's going to find you, I guess. And then in this case, the at-bat's going to find you. 
and Marte was not able to get it done for his team. Two Brewers relievers come in with uh, big performances. There's one thing from Game 3 this series that I just want to touch on, um, mm-hmm. and that is Joey Weimer being hit on the hand, the hit-by-pitch yes, yes, that, yes. that put him on base. Um, so this was something the Mets, Buck Shelter in particular, was very upset about because they said Weimer swung, which he was certainly in the process of swinging. He might have swung. I, I just wanted you to clear this one up for me because... What I would have imagined the rule has to be, and maybe there is just more room for interpretation in this, is that, like, if you have swung true already and you're hit by a pitch, well, then you've swung past the point you you should be out, I would imagine. This hit him before he had got to the point where you would be calling it a, a swing. And the impact then forced him in pain to follow true and clench his hands. So to me, it's like, I, I don't understand why there would be a complaint about this, but I don't know what the actual rule is on it when you get this kind of combination where hit by pitch is factoring in, or is it a swing? I just I just couldn't imagine a universe where that would have ended with like, oh, Joey Weimer, you're out. It's like, he's hit before he can, he can actually either stop the swing, make the swing. Like, am I... Am I setting myself up for someday this series of events to happen where I'm really mad about it? Because I couldn't, I just didn't understand what the Mets were mad about. I'm like, he's quite clearly hit by pitch there. I, I, I don't know what you want from that. He hasn't swung at the time. The ball hits his hand, like he could, he could have checked at that point still. Yeah, this seems to me like just the umpires using their judgment and inferring that I guess the contact of the ball on his hands made the bat kind of cross like he was swinging that's kind of how it looked and I mean it looked like he's stopping his swing there obviously if you swing if you if you were if he were to complete a swing and the ball plunks him on the hip or whatever they're gonna call that a strike every day but but if it's on your hands that I think yeah I think it was them just making a judgment call honestly because I I couldn't see it called either way but I think I think that that's just the umpires not being idiots like and like he got hit on the fucking hands like what do you want him to do there buckshell walter like like fuck you you're just mad that then your next pitcher gave up a hit and your billion dollar team can't fucking win baseball games like cry me a fucking river i've said fuck too many times in this sentence you sure have uh sure have let's i don't know i think i think buckshell walker's show walter is a hack who ask ask zach Britton about buckshell walter uh anyway uh yeah, the Brewers win three out of four in this series. Um, hopefully, the Brewers do not hire Buck Showalter to replace Craig Council after the season if, if Council elects lead. It'll be musical then, chairs. Uh, we're going to have to burn a lot of tape. Um, anyway, um, yeah, if, uh, yeah, I'll have to look into the specifics of uh, the. Uh, like, it feels like there the, shouldn't be judgment involved. It shouldn't have to be a judgment call. There should be clear if the hit by pitch is on the hand I would have thought like I I just can't imagine a scenario where he could have struck out there and by the rules like that's fine that would seem ridiculous but I have learned in my time watching baseball some things about baseball Andrew they are in fact ridiculous uh, referee magazine here has an article called hit by pitch doesn't always mean a base award 
Defensive coaches will argue that a pitch that hits the batter's hands is a foul ball. The only correlation is the ball is indeed dead. And then the article cuts off. Um, but anyway. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a rule that uh, I've, I've never really sought more clarity on and uh, probably should have after this game. And then, uh, you know, just carried on living my life being mad at Buck Showalter. Um, shall we go to the Master Brewer leaderboard? Let's do it. Colin Ray, six and a third. One walk, three hits, and a run. Great outing from him. Adrian Hauser, six innings pitched. Seven hits. Uh, one walk, two runs, five strikeouts. Devin Williams, three innings pitched. A hit, two walks, no runs, three strikeouts, three saves. That's two beers for Devin Williams, who continues to build on his leave. Yoel Piamps, two innings pitched, no walks, no runs, two strikeouts. Elvis Pagaro, two innings pitched, one hit, no walks, no run, one strikeout. Hobie Milner, two innings, a hit, no walks, no runs, two strikeouts. Bryce Wilson, two and two-thirds, two hits, no walks, no runs, two strikeouts. Christian Yelich, five for 15, four walks, one double, two runs, two RBI. Adam, uh, after the conclusion of this series, Christian Yelich, um, numbers on the season, 273 batting average, 369 OBP, 429 slug. Uh, numbers very, very similar to his 2017 uh, numbers with the Marlins, which was obviously the the season before he was traded to Milwaukee. If he's that player for a couple more seasons, hey, let's take that. But for right now, really enjoying it and uh, hope that it s- sticks around for the rest of the season. Owen Miller, four for 12, two walks, a double, a run. Jesse Winker, nice bounce back series for him. Four for 11, a walk, a double, a run, two RBI. Single game, Victor Caratini uh, is unstoppable. Two for three, a walk, a homer, two RBI, one run scored. Brian Anderson, three for 11, a double, three RBI, part of uh, one of the uh, a couple big double plays. And then Bryce Serang, welcome back. Uh, one for four with a double, and then just made some stellar plays in the field. Leaderboard through 81 games. Devin Williams on 20. Brian Anderson, Christian Yelich, old Pimes with 13. Joey Weimer with 12. Peter Shreslecki with 11. Rowdy Telez, William Contreras, Bryce Wilson, Owen Miller, Hobie Milner with 10. Corbin Burns and Elvis Peguero with 9. Willie Adams with 8. Julio Tehran, Wade Miley, Bryce Serang with 7. Freddie Peralta, Colin Ray, Victor Caratini with 6. Garrett Mitchell, Adrian Hauser with 5. Blake Perkins and Jesse Winker with 4. Eric Lauer, Jake Cousins, Trevor McGill with 3. Brandon Woodruff, Gus Farland. Javi Garrett, Tyron Taylor, Andre Monasterio with two. Luke Voigt, Mike Parasso, Matt Push, Tyson Miller, Darren Ruff, Abraham Toro, Ryan Tapia with a single beer. I got to see old friend Luke Voigt at the Durham Bulls Athletic Park playing for Syracuse Mets the other day, Adam. Two at bats I saw, struck out twice. <laughs> wow, things are still the same there. You know what we didn't even talk about, and we're not going to because this has been a longer pod than we've had for a while. Um, we didn't even talk about Josh Hader saying the Brewers should, you know, go for it. The Brewers should avoid... Avoid sellers' trades. The Brewers should be going for it. A lot we could unpack from that statement, but maybe we'll save that for another time. We look wow. ahead. What are the did you miss that? Do? Anyway, no, I did miss it. Uh, Padres I'll send you, trade I'll send you a clip. It's, <laughs> he can't imagine them tra- trading Burnsy. That's what he says. So they, they just they can't do that. Surely they can't. And it's like, well, you of all people should know Josh Hader. Wow. Didn't see it. Mine's blown. Anyway, Adam, there's uh, more baseball to be played. Sadly, you know, I don't know how much of that is going to be viewable tonight. It's an Apple TV Plus game. Sound the alarm. Left the alarm in the other room. Uh, Freddie Peralta, 
taking the mound, 6-10 central start in Pittsburgh um, against the Pirates on the mound for the Pirates is Osvaldo Beto on Saturday, a 3-0-5 central start. Corbin Burns will take the mound um, against Johan Oviedo. And then wrapping up this series on Sunday, Colin Ray, 12-35 central start, takes on Rich Hill. Three in Pittsburgh, then back home to finish out the first half, quotation marks, uh, against the Cubs for four games, the Reds for three games. That'll take us into the All-Star break. We'll have a Devin Williams All-Star game appearance to look forward to. We'll have draft talk to look forward to. The Futures game, Andrew. I mean, that's actually... Oh, yes. That's that an exciting one news, news and notes. That's been so such a long week, but Jefferson Caro, Jackson Chorio... Um, and Jacob Mizorowski, all going to be in the Futures game on Sunday. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, Futures game is one of my favorite games every year. And uh, this year is no different because of, obviously, those three highlights. All right. I think that does it for us for this episode. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. That's Cruising for a Bruising. You should also check out the rest of the GSPN shows. That starts with the Eurostep Podcast Network, the main feed. Home to all things Milwaukee books. The Eurostep with time. Rohan winning six. With myself and Jordan Tresky. Free agency. About to start. Big, possibly era-defining days ahead for the Milwaukee books. You're going to want to hear all about it. And we are going to have it all broken down on the Eurostep Podcast Network. For all things Green Bay Packers, check out Talking to Tundra. The Jordan Love hype is... It, it, it's a lot, Andrew. And it's not look, this is not our block, so we won't go into it, but I'm like, this is this is a lot. Um and I hope that goes well because it's it's a lot. It's not based on things that I've seen, but everyone loves what they're seeing. Make time for this. Hope for all things pop culture. Of an episode up today um on Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Next week, we'll be talking about Wes Anderson and Asteroid City. Make sure you subscribe. You want to hear more from Andrew and I, and you want to hear us talk about movies, TV, all of that kind of stuff. Make time for this advice. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen.